Welcome to Woody Online. You're listening to the audio of one of our pre-recorded services. We're based in Cardiff and we meet in person every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. If you're able to join us, we would love to see you. We hope this week's message blesses you. Hi, welcome to Woody Online. My name's Annabelle and I'm one of the leaders at Woody. And we are continuing our series on Ephesians and this week we're looking at Ephesians 5. So let's pray and then we'll read the passage. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Okay, so we're reading Ephesians 5, verses 1 to 20. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking which are out of place but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure no immoral, impure or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The chapter then continues with specific instructions for wives and husbands. So I'm not going to cover that this morning because not everyone listening will be married. But if you are married, then please go and read the rest of the chapter for yourself. But you will have hopefully picked up from this reading that this is a very practical passage with lots of commands. And when we looked at the parable of the wise and foolish builders a few months ago, I talked about how you can identify commands in scripture and then do them. And this is easy with this passage. I mean, I say easy, it's never exactly easy to live God's way, but at least there are clear actions here. The danger though, is that we reduce this passage to a list of do's and don'ts and then miss the overarching message. So the bigger picture I think that Paul is showing here is this. Firstly, we're not to sin because if we're Christians, then we're children of light. Instead of sinning, we're to make the most of our time. The way to do this is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
and this will result in a life of worship. So what I'm going to do now is take us through the passage again in more detail and then we'll revisit the overall message at the end. Now in verse 1 it says, follow God's command, sorry, follow God's example, therefore. And that word therefore should take us backwards. What has Paul just been saying that has led to this therefore? Well, at the end of chapter four, he is talking about how we forgive because we are forgiven. And that is one instance of how we follow God's example. But he wants us to imitate God in every way. Jesus didn't live the way he lived only to save us, but also to show us how to live. He is our role model. And just as dearly loved children will usually show a family likeness, in behaviours, so should we show the family likeness of our Father God. And how do we do this? Well, we walk in the way of love, as verse 2 puts it. Wouldn't it be great to be remembered as someone who lived a life of love? Is there any better eulogy? We imitate Christ in this because he loved us and we know that because he gave his life up for us taking our punishment to make us right with God. And it's described here as a fragrant offering, which sounds a bit odd, but it's because sacrifices made on the altar in the olden Jewish days had a pleasing aroma. So that's where we get the idea of a fragrant offering. His was a life of love and ours should imitate his. Verse three then starts with a but, but there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. So how does this but link us to the previous verse? Well, perhaps in hearing the message about living a life of love, for some people that had turned into a life of lust instead. So Paul's saying, live a life of love, but don't let that take you into sexual immorality. Paul says there must not be even a hint of that. Now, this is a far cry from my experience, just being honest now, as a teenager and young adult, where the attitude of myself, and I'm sure others, was how far can I go and it be okay? How far is too far is, I'm sure, still a question asked regularly by young Christians and perhaps older ones too. But Paul takes it the other direction. There must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity, or of greed. Now, just to be clear, sexual immorality means, in, in this context, in the Bible, means any kind of sexual activity outside the covenant union of marriage. Sex is a beautiful gift and a wonderful design by God, but it is designed for within marriage. But we should take care to note that Paul mentions not just sexual immorality, but also impurity and greed. And in verse 5, it says that these things, all of them, are idolatry. In other words, whether it's lust or greed or anything like that, then the bottom line is that putting these things ahead of God is what's happening. And Paul says this is improper for God's holy people. We are holy. We have a status of holy because we have been sanctified, which means we've been made holy in God's sight and this has happened not because of us, but because of Jesus's blood and, and what he's done on the cross. 
So it's by grace we have moved from darkness to light and we are counted as God's holy people. So we shouldn't be putting anything, including our physical appetites, ahead of God, idolising anything above him, as this is not proper for us. And he goes on to include as impure behaviour, obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking. Our tongue is a dangerous organ. James 3 verse 6 says, The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Strong words. And Paul is not against humour per se. I'm convinced that God's got a great sense of humour. But humour that strays into dirty jokes and so on is out of place for us. Paul instead encourages thanksgiving, which we'll come back to later. Now, verse 5 can feel a bit troublesome because it says, For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And it's not the only letter that we see these sorts of statements. Colossians 3 verse 5 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Now, is this saying that when I slip up and eat too much chocolate out of greed, which, you know, is not unheard of for me, is it saying that I am then out of the kingdom? Well, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9 to 11 also has something to say on this, the same sort of vein, but it expands on it. It says, well, do you know, do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Thank goodness for that but, which reminds me that I have been sanctified and justified. The phrasing of verse 5 in our Ephesians chapter implies that Paul is not talking about a slip up when you're trying to live in a godly way, but rather consistent behaviour that defines a person. But we mustn't write off this challenge and sweep it under the carpet. It's always good to ask ourselves, Am I living appropriately to the holy status that I have been given as best I can? Or am I consistently and blatantly living in a sexually immoral or impure or greedy way? It is not saying that anyone who struggles with these sins is automatically excluded from the kingdom. But if we've given ourselves over to them without any sign of repentance, then we should be concerned. There is a warning here that needs to be heeded. We also need to be careful about who we listen to on this kind of thing. Verse 6 says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. In other words, don't be deceived by people saying these sins don't matter when they do. And don't be partners with them, it says in verse 7. Partners meaning more than just friends and acquaintances. We need to be partnered with God, not with our prevailing culture. 
And now Paul reminds us again of why all the sin that he's been talking about is not appropriate for us. We were once darkness, but now we are light in the Lord. We are changed. We have moved from one state to another. And now our lives are illuminated by him and his pure and true light. He talks about fruit of light in verse 9. Light is productive. It makes plants grow. And we will see goodness, righteousness and truth growing in our lives as we live as children of light and find out what pleases the Lord. Having made clear that we're to avoid living sinfully ourselves, Paul then tells us in verse 11 to have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but to expose them. So whereas light is fruitful, darkness is fruitless. And the light of God, which we share in, by nature, exposes things. We don't need to try too hard, given that we are to have nothing to do with the deeds of darkness. And in verse 12, it says we're not even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. So we're not to dwell on sin, but it will be exposed by the light that we carry, which makes everything visible. Paul then quotes an early hymn, Wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, Christ will shine on you. It's thought that that's a a hymn that they sang. So, having spent quite a while detailing the danger and darkness of sin and the fact that we are to avoid it as children of light, Paul moves into more positive action for us exhorting us to live carefully and wisely and making the most of every opportunity. This literally means buying the opportunity and he's talking about time. So he's saying, spend your time wisely. Be intentional about your use of time. It is a great gift. We use it wisely by knowing what the Lord's will is. How does he want us to spend our time? Well, the clue is in the next verse be filled with the Spirit. There's no need to be under the influence of alcohol, which leads to debauchery, but instead we can be under the influence of the Spirit. In Acts, people thought the disciples were drunk, but it was the Spirit. As an aside, Jesus drank wine, but he didn't get drunk. There is a difference. And with the Spirit, though, we can take our fill, and in fact we shouldn't be content with just a sip, we should ask for more and more. And the use of the present participle here means it's best translated as go on being filled with the Spirit. It is not a one-time event. And then the result of being filled with the Spirit, which is the Lord's will for us and our time, is that <clears throat> excuse me, we will speak and sing to one another to one another using a variety of worship. <clears throat> So mentioned here are psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. I don't think we have to get too hung up on the difference between them, but suffice to say that a variety of musical worship is good and it is to be corporate, we're to sing to one another and private, make music in your heart to the Lord. It is still a present participle, so go on speaking, go on singing, go on making music, go on giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Thankfulness is a duty and a blessing. It can guard us from the bad uses of our tongue mentioned earlier. And in my experience, thankfulness is the single most powerful protector of my mental health. 
For more on living a life shaped by thankfulness, look up Anne Voskamp's book called 1000 Gifts. She, after lots of trauma, challenged herself to write down a thousand things to be thankful for. And she managed it and she's never stopped. <laughs> so she's probably up to hundreds of thousands by now. Um, but it's a, it's a good book all about the beauty of thankfulness and how it changes our perspective and, um, yeah, turns our eyes upwards. And in turn, worship and thankfulness will help us to continue being filled with the Spirit as well as being a natural result of the Spirit in us. There has been teaching in the worldwide church in the past which implies that you get filled with the Spirit once and that's it. But we see in Acts that Peter was filled at Pentecost but and then again before the Sanhedrin and then again after a prayer meeting. Rather than a picture of something <clears throat> like a glass of water, which is either full or it's not, one commentator described it more like a balloon, where the balloon can be full of air, but then it can get more full. We are filled at conversion, but then we can ask for more at any time, and so we should. Because the Spirit not only gives us renewed worship and thanksgiving, but also increased sanctification, it helps us live that holy life that we're trying to. Also increase power for ministry and, of course, our spiritual gifts. So why wouldn't we want to continually be filled? So in this passage, we've been encouraged not to sin because we're children of light. And we've been encouraged to make the most of our time and be filled with the Spirit. And we've been encouraged to worship. One commentator, Grudem, says about worship... In the context of using time wisely and making the most of time, Paul includes both singing of spiritual psalms to one another and singing to the Lord with our hearts. Worship is doing the will of God. It is the result of understanding what the Lord's will is. Worship glorifies God and fulfills the purpose for which God has created us. So it is an activity of eternal significance and great value. Because God is eternal and omniscient, the praise we give him will never fade from his consciousness, but will continue to delight his heart for all eternity. It is the prime activity of heaven of great significance and eternal value. So I hope that something from the passage has encouraged you today and perhaps something's challenged you. I invite you to join with me in the following prayer if you'd like to be filled further with the Spirit. That's something that I'm sure we would all want. But if there's some anything that's arisen today that you want to talk through, then please do get in touch. We're always happy to do that. But I'm going to end with this prayer. So join me um, if you want to. And then I'm going to actually read the passage again, but this time read it from the message version to see us out. Okay. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for us so that we could be holy in your sight and move from darkness to light. Please fill me afresh with your spirit so that I am enabled to resist sin and to be intentional with my time and to worship you. Amen. Okay, let's hear the passage again with slightly different words. And as I say, do get in touch if you want to, um, if you want to chat about anything, and we'll see you soon. Watch what God does, and then you do it, like children who learn proper behaviour from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you, 
Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Don't allow love to turn into lust, setting off a downhill slide into sexual promiscuity, filthy practices or bullying greed. Though some tongues just love the taste of gossip, those who follow Jesus have better uses for language than that. Don't talk dirty or silly. That kind of talk doesn't fit our style. Thanksgiving is our dialect. You can be sure that using people or religion or things just for what you can get out of them, the usual variations on idolatry, will get you nowhere and certainly nowhere near the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God. Don't let yourselves get taken in by religious smooth talk. God gets furious with people who are full of religious sales talk but want nothing to do with him. Don't even hang around with people like that. You groped your way through that murk once, but no longer. You're out in the open now. The bright light of Christ makes your way plain. So no more stumbling around. Get on with it. The good, the right, the true, these are the actions appropriate for daylight hours. Figure out what will please Christ and then do it. Don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work, the barren pursuits of darkness. Expose these things for the sham they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things they must do in the darkness where no one will see. Rip the cover off those frauds and see how attractive they look in the light of Christ. Wake up from your sleep, climb out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light. So watch your step, use your head, make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. Don't drink too much wine, that cheapens your life. Drink the Spirit of God, huge draughts of him. Sing hymns instead of drinking songs. Sing songs from your heart to Christ. Sing praises over everything. Any excuse for a song to God the Father in the name of our Master, Jesus Christ. Amen.